0: On this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast, we discuss volunteer work and charities and why you, yes you, should do it. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. This is your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. Hello. How are you doing, Jojo B?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: That How is are you? Good. Why are we singing? I don't know. I just feel, I feel like quite summery now. You know, I feel like that summery vibe.
1: I feel like it's come down to the right temperature.
0: Yeah, it's finally beginning to resemble some kind of normality for this time of year in the yeah. UK.
1: Or I'm just acclimatized to just being crazy hot.
0: But do you know what? I love the heat. We we differ this way because I love intense heat. I love like you know feeling the burn on I your on, on my hairy back.
1: Uh, I love hearing. I love it. I love hearing. I love feeling it on holiday. Right. And I love being like off work and enjoying it. Yeah. But when you have to get onto a sweaty commuter train,
0: mm. it's not so much fun. Especially when you're the sweatiest commuter.
1: I'm not sweaty, but other people stink. And then you come off the train and you smell of their stink. Yeah. And I hate it.
0: And plus you take uh, that line which goes past like Southall and Hayes and stuff. So not only do you get like the BO from the normal commuters, you get that weird hing sweats from all the Asians. Yeah,
1: exactly. And also there's this weird smell of tar, like burnt tar now when you go past Southall. And like, I don't know where that's come from. Or why? I think it's because of Crossrail. But it's horrible because mix that in with the hing smell. Yeah. And it's just the worst.
0: That's probably the smell of like GT Road. <laughs> Tar you... and hing. <laughs>
1: GT Road smells better than that, believe me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will take your word for it.
1: But uh yeah, I don't like that much, that very much.
0: No, I wouldn't have thought so. But you know what we don't like either? The World Cup's over Jojo B. <laughs> oh no. It's been a sad, sad 24 hours. It hasn't even been that long. And I'm already on the come down right now. The fact that I'm not going to be able to watch any more World Cup games till four and a half years time.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's going to be even later, isn't it's it? It's going to
0: be in Qatar, as your dad says. Qatar. I love, I love how, talking to your dad about the World Cup and he says, the next one's in Qatar.
1: Well, that's how you meant to say it.
0: Yeah, but it sounds, you know, it's always weird when it's not. Because
1: it's always in Qatar, which is like, isn't that Qatar. like phlegm in your throat as well? Is it? Yeah, Qatar is like stuff that you cough up when you're ill. Is it? Yeah.
0: Learn something new. We should have like a JoJo B's medical round. We call it Reisha.
1: Huh? Phlem is Reisha. Reisha. Reisha.
0: Okay. Reisha in your face, JoJo B. Reisha
1: in your
0: face. Um. Yeah. So the World Cup is indeed over. It didn't come home, which was uh, very very sad. No, it didn't. Because our last episode, we were all positive and riling up England. <laughs> and uh, it didn't actually work out that way um Mm. but you know what they did amazingly well they did fourth place. yeah overachieved in this world cup i'd say you know because really everyone expected us to get probably knocked out in the first round and then everyone was going to blame everyone and saying that you know they're all overpaid divas and they don't really care about playing for england and blah blah no
1: one can say shit because they played their heart out
0: yeah up until the semi-final where they let us down
1: no, but I think they, they played their heart out there as well. They just got outclassed. Yeah, you know,
0: it, when you come up against a team like Croatia, and you know, even if they come up with the final against France, they would they wouldn't have won it. Um, but I just thought that opportunity, such a missed opportunity to get into a World Cup final. We don't know whether this team will ever get that opportunity again. Um, but you
1: can only hope they'll get better because they're still young. Yeah,
0: they have still got time on their hands. Um, so
1: it can go one of two ways. They can go down the you know the trap of having glamour models and all that yep. kind of stuff in their lives and, and yeah and all that and it yachts. all just goes wrong nothing or... wrong with coke and yachts <laughs> there's everything wrong with coke thank you very much <laughs> depending on what type of coke
0: i uh, that i'll leave that to the interpretation of our listeners
1: <laughs> none of the white stuff um and the, or oh, they could go down the route of, you know, doing a Ronaldo and just kind of refocusing really on the football and their skills and stuff. Probably having a really good time outside of work as well. Yeah, exactly. But like being on it when it comes to work and really, really going for it.
0: Work hard, play hard.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because then you deserve to play hard if you work hard and you get the achievements.
0: Yeah. But you know what, it gave it gave fans an opportunity to see their team in the, you know, the latter stages of a tournament which this generation underneath us. They wouldn't have ever seen that. You yeah. know, we're old enough to remember that kind of stuff. But
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of people are not twenty-eight yet. No, <laughs> lucky exactly. bastards. Yeah. Um. So they won't remember any of that stuff. Yeah. I can just about remember it. So. Because mm. I'm still young-ish.
0: Keep telling yourself that. Bob. I am young. Um. But um, yeah,
1: I was quite young at the time when they last got into it, and I still remember that pain that the rest of my household felt.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because we we're only really good when we lose. You know, fans only really appreciate (laughs) England when we lose, you know, because when we win, they start to like smash up like, you know, all kinds of shit. But when we lose, we just collectively cry.
1: Instead of smashing up shit because we won. They were smashing up shit because Trump was in town instead. Yes. And it wasn't the anti-Trump lot that was smashing stuff up. It was the pro-Trump lot.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, They decided
1: to have a riot because they had no football to riot about instead.
0: Yes. Um, what do you feel about, you know, it was really funny, that massive balloon, obviously, that they had during that day. <laughs> Bloody
1: brilliant. It was
0: amazing. But, you know, they, they spent a lot on that, you know, on the balloon itself. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think, could that money have been utilized better in other parts of society?
1: I mean, it could probably could have done and we probably could have done loads of charity work with it and stuff. But sometimes you just need some satire out there. Yeah, you need to do something and make a statement. Yes. And that those things cost money. Yeah. So what can you do? Like, sometimes you just have to spend the money.
0: No, of course, you know, and there was a quarter of a million people that turned up at a Trump rally, uh, which was uh, an amazing show of uh, support.
1: There was like, what, 10,000 people, I think, or less than that at the pro-Trump rally. Yeah,
0: exactly. So there's And they cause damage. Very differing ratio there. Um, and then plus, Trump's going to have an interview with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Isn't he, Jojovi? <GF?
1: laughs> I meant Pierce Morgan. <laughs>
0: so I was speaking to V. earlier today. <laughs> and she's like, there's going to be an interview with Pierce Brosnan and Trump. I, I wish there was like a mean gif of a double take that would have just gif. splashed. Gif, i say. Gif? It's gif. It's not. The guy who invented it said gif.
1: But he no, because that's the stuff you clean your bath with.
0: Well, he he probably he probably uses like Sillip bank. So he wouldn't have even known about it. So that's why well, he calls I it GIF. gif. I call it GIF. Um anyway. Um Jojo B thought that Pierce Brosnan was gonna be interviewing <laughs> no, Trump. I
1: meant Piers Morgan. I knew I meant Piers Morgan, but it was before my dinner. So I have to just blame it on the low blood sugar levels.
0: Bond versus Trump. That would have just been some <laughs> next interview fluff. Mean, I, I
1: feel like we live in a bond film but unfortunately bond doesn't what, seem to what, exist we
0: as in you and me live in a no, bond the film, world
1: at the moment we have Please. like crazy baddies out there that are trying yeah, to destroy biggest... us all but we just don't have a bond character to come and save us where the yeah. hell is idris elba when you need him
0: where is idris elba you know what if there was an indian bond like people talk about we need a black bond we need a black <laughs> person to play bond absolutely no problem with that at all
1: just uh, the word "bond." Just my
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! We should have like an after-hours version of our show where we explain what some of these words mean to people.
1: Oh please! We use filthy language anyway. Yeah.
0: Are you going to tell people what "bond" means in uh I let you Punjabi? do it. No, you know what? I'll let you Listeners, do it. Listen, look, look it up. <laughs> look it up. Let's just say uh, it's it's close to where the sun doesn't shine. Yeah. You know, the nethermost point of where the sun doesn't shine um but yeah what if there was an indian bond like an indian <laughs> fuck's sake j j b get your mind out the fucking gutter oh, bruv an indian james bond
1: i reverted to like 12 year old version Do you know of what i me? mean
0: like people probably listen to the show and think yeah i'm actually gonna get some intellectual conversation but Not between today. two
1: Listen, yeah, I've been intellectual and articulate for the last couple of shows. Sometimes you just got to let let loose, let mm-hmm. your hair down.
0: Let it go. Yeah. Right.
1: Anyway, enough of the Bond. Yeah. <laughs> an Indian Bond, do you think? An Indian
0: Bond, yeah. Just just as a, you know, who who, who would play an Indian Bond? Who's out there that could play an Indian Bond? I don't know, the
1: actors bond? that I would like to say are all really old now. They're all in like their 50s and I don't think I can trust any of mm. them to run after anyone. Yeah. And, you know, chase them down and run across cranes and stuff like they do usually.
0: <laughs> It'd be like, you know, that, that junkie Lafunga character from uh, Goodness <laughs> Gracious <laughs> Me. Like that. um
1: Silk shed open down to his navel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jump off buildings onto a horse kind of shit. Oh, dear. Um, you know, but okay, so listeners, if you have any any suggestions for us to, for any suggestions for an Indian Bond, uh, let, let us know for next week's show. Asian
1: um, Bond, let's open it up.
0: Talking about like, you know, Goodness Gracious Me and all that shit. Today, on my lunch break, uh-huh. you know how you start off something on YouTube, oh, and then no. you just like tail off and it just goes, you check the, the next video along. The YouTube hole: The YouTube hole. yeah, I was <laughs> I was stuck in that vortex.
1: Oh dear uh,
0: for a good 20 minutes. and you know what I was watching?
1: What
0: I was watching old clips
1: uh-huh. from
0: Mahabharat.
1: What?: Yes,
0: the series: The series. The old, like, late 80s, early 90s series that used to come on BBC Two. these were the shiniest
1: fabrics you've ever seen.
0: Yeah, like, you know, amazing, like, crowns, like a foot in the air. And then, like, armour and weaponry of which you'll never behold before. Yeah.
1: You, um, yeah, it used to come on Channel 4, didn't it, back in
0: the day? No, it did not. No. It came on BBC Two. BBC Two. Because it was part of that BBC Two morning hour on Saturday mornings that used oh, to include yeah. Mahabharat and then Network East.
1: And then Bollywood have Bust.
0: And then Bollywood A bust. <laughs> and then there was that there was another one, that uh that Pakistani drama called Tanhaya. Oh
1: my god, that was so good though. Was it though? Yeah, my dad used to make me watch it. I thought it was like torture at first. Right. Because like obviously my grasp of Punjabi is bad enough, never mind, Urdu. But like it, I got really into it It was so
0: good I never I only remember There was that one chick in it That they called Pink Panther And I don't know why They called her that I don't remember that So you didn't watch it then No I did just But I, making don't, I, was, shit up.
1: I was little I don't Trying remember it. be but
0: socially relevant but you even there
1: No I just remember thinking It was really good But I don't remember Anything it was about There was two girls In a business What? I
0: thought oh it was like a family there was like, there was like Three or four daughters I remember And they was all Getting up to Some kind of bakwas
1: And they had a family business
0: who, which Asian doesn't have a family business?
1: I think so. What was that one that was set in um, in Birmingham that had uh, Saeed Jeffrey in it? Was it? Oh. And he used it in the opening credits or the end credits. He used the House Spaghetti Junction. Oh, was it Silver Street or something? I can't remember. If you remember, please tell me what it is because I can't can't for the life of me remember it. Yeah, but we used to watch that religiously as well. I don't really remember much about that. I just yeah, remember yeah. Spaghetti Junction being at the front yeah, of the, the that's starting the thing, credits.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's called Silver Street or something like that. Um, but I definitely, definitely remember the, the mornings on, on BBC Two because um, my bar had to be on and like we, my dad's got them all. On. Why would
1: you be watching it? Why did you I start don't know. watching it? I
0: started it? watching something and you know, like the suggested videos on the side, it went on to something else and then it went to something else and then it was just like Dushasan dies in the Kurukshetra. And I was like, oh my God. And then I and then I just watched loads of like 5 10 minute clips from from that show. That's insane. And I was transported all the way back to late 80s early 90s i think they
1: remade it now for one of these indian channels it's not the
0: same though you need to have the arrow that starts off as one arrow and then multiplies into 20 arrows yeah and then it hits another 20 you know like they collide in the middle of the screen yeah to show that this fight's going on
1: i remember those times
0: yeah and then like you know the crazy kind of special effects of like someone throwing a Sudhasan chakra across the air (laughs) and then it kind of just like gathering pace and then it grows into this huge one and Uh. So yeah, I was watching Mahabharat. But I was going to say, I, I didn't get a chance to go to the um, Donald Trump rally because um, I was seeing one of my comedy heroes that day. Yes, you were. I went to see Mel Brooks live.
1: And how was that?
0: It was absolutely amazing. And there'll be people in here who'll be like, who the fuck is Mel Brooks? Well, they should educate and themselves. these people. And it's like, because we have these old school references, mostly in one in mostly every show. And... Like, we're the only people that actually know about this. Although we went on radio and the guy that was interviewing us at BBC Asian Network, who must have been in his late 20s, early 30s, Uncle Desai, he was like, I'm so glad you guys talked about Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. And I was like, bruv, (laughs) yes, there's other Asians that know about Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin from our age group. You know, because everyone wants to plead ignorant on these kind of things. But my favorite era of comedy was the 70s. My favorite era for films was the 70s. And Mel Brooks had some of the funniest films I've ever seen in my life. Blazing Saddles is the funniest film I'll ever see in my life.
1: Still haven't seen it.
0: That's because you're a wastage.
1: And I, no, I, no, last time you put it on really late, and I fell asleep. And I and didn't, didn't mean didn't to Didn't we fall
0: say in one of the episodes that you were actually going to watch it, review it in the next episode? And, and that was a it. month ago.
1: All right, fine. We'll watch it. We will watch it.
0: You have to initiate it, though. I can't just be like, "Can we watch?" I you don't watch even it know now?
1: where it is. Like, do we have it?
0: We don't. We were t- having this whole conversation about DVDs the other day, about having DVDs, <laughs> and then we realised, actually, everything is available on streaming services online.
1: Fine. Fine. We'll stream it from somewhere. Yes. And we'll watch
0: Support. it. Support. Mel Brooks is a comedy genius, and his films are the likes of which you'll never see again, probably because most of them are so politically incorrect. So the name of some other ones out.
1: that I, some people might have seen.
0: Okay, so you might have seen The Producers. That was made into an amazing stage production that won loads and loads of Tonys. Seen that one. Have you?
1: Yeah. I wasn't a fan though. Okay. It is funny, but I just wasn't. It's too much singing.
0: Young Frankenstein.
1: Yes, absolutely amazing. That was love also it. made in a
0: stage production, which is also amazing. Yes, love so that. So that's another awesome film. High Anxiety. I haven't seen that. History of the World Part One.
1: I don't think I've seen that.
0: To Be or Not To Be. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, God. See, this is the thing. I need, to, I need to spend some time to educate Jojo B.
1: My film era was before that. So the 70s, I kind of stop at that point and like, And then I start again from the 80s. Right. I kind of cut out the 70s in terms of films. It wasn't really my thing. So I was a big fan of the 50s and 60s mm. um, and the 40s as well, actually. And then 80s onwards. I don't know what happened to the 70s. I think maybe it was because I got into all of that when I was quite young and the 70s was just a bit too adult for me. Were you
0: stuck in like a cryogenic chamber for 20 years? You know, then you wake up and like, what year is it?
1: Well, no, because I was born in the 80s. So I was just going back to watch all of this stuff. Were
0: you though? Or are you really like 80 years old and you were stuck in a cryogenic chamber for 20, 30 years and it hasn't aged you since?
1: I feel like I was born in the wrong era.
0: We may need to to do like a few blood tests. I either should have been
1: like in my 20s or my like late teens. in the twenties, no, um in the sixties or in the eighties.
0: Right, it's quite a vast gap.
1: Yeah, because I love the music of both of those eras. Right, okay. So I think that's when I should have been around.
0: Yeah, I also agree. I wish that's when you were around, so I didn't have to pollute my life now. Pollute. So that's the first what half. The fuck? of the Native Immigrants podcast on the other side we'll if be he talking that long we'll be talking about charities and volunteer work and why you should get involved
1: I'm going to put you in a headlock
0: see you on the other side people Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And all I've been hearing during this break is how much our sofas stink. They really do. And I've just been hearing it incessantly for the last like month or so as well. They
1: really do stink. And I'm like, we need to sort this out. We've got fabric sofas. We don't have like wipe clean leather sofas that you can make smell fresh really instantly. Yeah, I've got a like take everything off and shove it in the washing machine and then we've got no sofa for a day while we, everything dries and i've got to get it done now because it's driving me insane
0: yeah can i just say there were absolutely no problem with them at all until jojo b took a little bit of time off work and she's been laying across that specific sofa
1: Guess group they both stink of you
0: they do not they do they so they both stink of like you pack raban million
1: no you in the sweaty summer that's what it smells i don't
0: of. sweat in the summer i have uh, i have uh
1: do you glow like women. I don't sweat. I glow.
0: Why? Why is it only women that can glow? Why can't men glow?
1: No one glows. Everyone gets sweaty. That's the point.
0: Some more sweaty than others, eh, Georgevvy? Yes, you. <laughs> you goddamn.
1: Anyway, you're going to help me.
0: Yeah. Well, yes. Exactly. That's going to be our task for this weekend. Um, but before then, <laughs> so that's our
1: chores roundup for you. Chores,
0: yeah. Exactly. If this is what our show ends up becoming, we're just going to lose listeners. It. Yeah. No, it's riveting, isn't it? Are we boring you people? Tell us. Let us know if we're too boring, because then we need to, I need to sh- ship Jojo B into shape.
1: I feel like we've been really hard-hitting for the last few weeks. We just needed one show where we just chatting nonsense. Yeah. But then we do have a point.
0: We do, and I'm going to get to that <laughs> right now. So the other day, um, we finally got a chance to watch The Street Food Servants, uh, which was a show on BBC One.
1: Yes, it'd been sitting in our, um, in our TV box for a little while.
0: Yes, it did, because uh, Jojo B just wants to watch Say Yes to the Dress. Most of the time or something that's not that's something that's going to not going to make her think much during the late ends of an evening.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to have to think too much. And also we're obsessed with glow at the moment. So. We are obsessed
0: with glow. And so we're trying to mix that in between watching Parks and Rec and just, yeah, our, our TV time is, is scarce. So when we do, we try to fit in as much as we possibly can. Um,
1: but this time we watched something that was actually worth watching.
0: Absolutely, um, Street Food Servants was a show, and it uh, that actually focused on SWAT, uh, who are a charitable organisation based in West London, um, and their primary function is to unite and transform financially disadvantaged communities by focusing on projects which make a difference to people's lives in the short term and improve their prospects in the long term.
1: And SWAT stands for Seek Welfare and Awareness Team. That's correct. Well, remembered, Jyoti.
0: I believe that's, it. I think that's what it is. Um, they were founded in 2008.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. And their first project was a youth club offering regular workshops on substance awareness, informal talks in the Sikh and other faiths, and encouraging the children to engage in group discussions and debates on current issues they're facing today, such as gang culture, drug addiction, and alcohol abuse. In 2009, they discovered over 200 men sleeping rough on the streets of Southall, which then established their Homeless Project, where they go around to different areas of the UK to feed the less fortunate. Uh, the SWAT team say they decided to take the concept of Lunga outside its traditional setting in temples and out onto the streets when they saw a growing homelessness problem in London. Randeep Singh, who founded SWAT, said, When you go to the temple, what's the message? The message is to help others. Help your neighbours. And that's what we are doing. So... It was a great little piece uh, that focused on their efforts to um, feed the homeless in various different areas around London. Yeah, uh, There was one interesting bit where they actually went to Culture Star and got shut down.
1: Yeah, it was like a new area for them that they were uh, checking out to see if they could um, maybe start setting up there on a day um, to help, help, help the homeless and feed the homeless. And they um, came across some other church groups that had, yep. were doing the same thing. And these church groups didn't seem that open to them coming out and helping, and providing additional services. Yeah, which was interesting.
0: That was interesting. It was. Um, I don't know. It's almost like what well, you do not turf punk.
1: Yeah, it was like because she basically just said, "We don't need your help." That yeah. was, those are the words that she used. We, we're all right. We don't need your help. Yeah. Um, but there's always more mouths to feed.
0: Absolutely, you and- can't
1: get around everybody.
0: Yeah, people need help from however means, whichever means necessary. Yeah, And if, if there's multiple groups doing the same thing to try to help society and help people in these precarious positions, then why not the more the merrier? You know?
1: Exactly. And I think that's what they came to in the end. And they came to an agreement and everybody was happy in the end. Yeah, But it was just that initial meeting wasn't as receptive as they might have hoped it to have been
0: yeah absolutely um
1: but they do some great work so they've expanded beyond Southall now and they do a lot of West London and beyond and you know bits of Berkshire and stuff yeah um and so then this was them looking to go further east yeah absolutely and uh and try outreach program there which they now do yep um, and they do amazing work. They have so many volunteers. Absolutely, you know, and I'm sure that they could probably do with more as well. They're probably always looking for extra help.
0: Yeah, well, they actually like move, they're trying to move into a new unit that was like it was like almost double the size of their previous warehouse yeah. because they were outgrowing the operation. Yeah um and the main guy randeep i think it was yeah he was trying to trying to find ways to kind of make you know the payments and make ends meet but he was so passionate about the whole project he had a focus and he was very driven to what he wanted and what he wanted out of swat and um you know and he's got so many people jumping on board and there was there was some homeless people that he served in the past who are now becoming volunteers for swat so if anything it's it's bettering people's lives and enabling them to not only have a future, because people were saying if it wasn't for SWAT, I might not even be like alive today.
1: When you're living out on the streets, and especially, I mean, like in the extreme heat like we've been having, or in the extreme cold that we get in the winter, it's really hard to survive. You need food, you need shelter, you need, you know, and they provide not just food, they provide sleeping bags and they provide medical kits and stuff so that you can look after yourself, you know, just basic stuff that you might not have access to or can't afford to get while you're on the streets you know i'm I'm guessing it's like paracetamol and yeah you know and plasters and things like that so that you can look after yourself um they provide all of that alongside hot food these people will only get one hot meal a day maximum maybe even once a week yeah um and that comes from swat yeah or other such organizations and you know and what a way to be able to live your life for randy he's dedicated his life to helping other people yeah um who who are in a in a position that they no one chooses to be homeless. No one wants to be homeless. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. you end up there and sometimes you get stuck there. Mm. And sometimes you can find your way out. And those ones that have found their way out and have then decided to give back by volunteering with SWAT, you know, more power to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two things that I took out of that documentary piece, which I really found interesting and I loved. Uh, one was the fact that they weren't just serving Indian food as well. They were serving pastas pizzas chips burgers from the local community yeah. and places like that you know because there's, there's always this thing where you know if you are doing charity and some communities which don't necessarily have a lot of asians and stuff yeah that you know people can be a little bit hesitant as well sometimes if you're serving them curry and rice and things like that
1: but also in the good because a lot of the food i think is made in Lungar um in the longer areas of, of goodwaters they they make all this stuff now. Yeah, they make a diverse range. It's not just dal and roti like you used to get when we were kids. Exactly. It's you know they make pasta, and they make pizza, so that the younger ones come in and want to eat there as well. So they're already doing this. And yeah. I think it's really good that they're then providing. No, yeah, I love food. the fact that
0: it was it was a it was a vast different choice of cuisines and stuff available. So yeah. you know, um, there's more choice than sometimes I get in restaurants to be honest. um <laughs> But the other thing I, I found really interesting was the fact that he really wanted to stress the point that they. They're not enforcing their faith as well yeah, on the streets to homeless.
1: He phrased it as non-missionary.
0: Yeah, their purpose is literally just to help, uh, yeah. and because you know, without sounding too bad and stuff, they were focusing on some church groups in there um, and some other you know like faith-based kind of charities and organisations. And the fact that there's always seems to be sometimes a hidden agenda behind the the charitable work that you do end up doing. And there is some. Have you maybe thought about coming to church? Have you thought about maybe you know? Um, coming along to you know some of our classes and seeing what you know our faith has to offer and then that can dissuade people a lot of the time
1: and that's really encouraging for someone like me who might not be particularly religious but wants to still do some good and still help out yeah that there's not the need to kind of go out and preach or anything like that it's just you're going out to do your good service and to help somebody out and that's the thing like Doing charity work doesn't have to be about God. It doesn't have to be about religion. Mm. It just should be about you wanting to do something good for somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And that's how I've always, that's how I've always done it. I know it's different for you because (laughs) you are religious. And so a lot of your seva or your charity work or your volunteer work is around your religion.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of like because I have been doing voluntary work for 20 years now. And uh, it's with my temple, my, yeah. uh, I'd, say, I'd say it's not It's not necessarily my local temple, but it's the temple that I felt most connected to, which is uh, the Bhaktivedanta Manor in Watford, which is a Harakusha temple, yeah. which was donated to them by George Harrison of the Beatles. And it's um, a beautiful manor, middle of the countryside. and it's, it's gorgeous.
1: The grounds are gorgeous.
0: Yeah. We got married there, which we, we spoke about on our previous episodes about our wedding. And... It's a place where I've frequented throughout my life. And it was a place where I kind of feel the most tranquil, the most at peace. And it's a very spiritual area, very spiritual grounds. And, you know, the end of a long working week, end of a stressful time or stressful period, I could go there on a Sunday and just feel completely at ease, literally take all the troubles away. See, my parents are quite religious. And they did try to not enforce religion on us, but they tried to encourage us to you know, chant a bit more and, you know, try to, (laughs) you know, think about your faith a little bit more. And I'm quite a rebellious kid compared to the rest of my brothers. And so I was was quite, you know, like hesitant on any of this kind of stuff. But it's not until I started going myself, where I kind of felt a little bit more connected without having to have the kind of the input from my parents, I could have a, a one to one conversation with God. Uh, without needing a, a guru or somebody else telling me what's being said,
1: and I think that's the way that it should happen. You should find it yourself. Yeah, exactly. You should come to it yourself.
0: Yeah, because you know a lot of people can get—I don't like the word brainwashed—but you know they that they get enforced with things on religion, and and then their everything changes, and their thought processes change, and then their ideals change, and then their beliefs change because of it. You know, and I kind of felt that like if if you fall into something like religion, it's got to come from yourself and not being pushed into it.
1: Yeah, influenced.
0: Influence is probably the best word, you know. Um, But I have, you know, I've been, I I started volunteering at the temple uh, for all the big religious festivals back in about 94, I think.
1: Wow, is that long ago? Yeah,
0: that's when I first, you know, it started a little bit, but only like a couple of hours here and there. But the first time I've officially started volunteering for full days was back in, I think, 97 Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. So it's been Damn. about 20 years. And then I kind of I worked my way up and stuff within that one area or worked. I became team leader almost 10 years ago. And, um, and you know, like, that's the thing. You know, there's a, there's a big thing about religion and voluntary work. And, you know, the reasons people get into voluntary work for religious purposes or festivals. And I think for me was I just always felt a little bit more fulfilled. You know, it was that level of spirituality, but was also that level of fulfillment as well. You know, I used to feel at the end of it that I've done um, sewa, you know, I've yeah. done I've done some service and it's, you know, and it's for the help and the benefit of other people and providing that service for people. It's just it's just for me a level of spiritual fulfillment, you know, more than anything. Um, and, you know, and like I said, we built up a, a really great community through it and all the like the young kids that started that I started with we all kind of grew up together yeah you know um and you know you end up becoming a bit of a family that way as well at the same time
1: i have volunteered what three three years on the trot i did yeah um yeah since we got married um, so i have done a bit of seva work in the in the gurdwara and i think that's the one thing that i really do love about both of our religions is that there is a specific word for it it's called seva yeah. and it's encouraged it's yeah. heavily encouraged in both Hinduism and in Sikhism to go out and do do good. So doing seva and the gurdwaras usually kind of help out in the langar. So you're in the kitchen, yep. making the rotis, roasting over those massive big gas ovens yeah, that yeah, they yeah. have, or it's like serving the food. So I've done that when when I was younger, um, and then we got married and I started to help out at the mandir as well. Yep. And, grudgingly. Yeah, gr- well, it was grudgingly because I'm not I'm not religious anyway, but that's not the religion that I was born into either. So it was kind of, it was different for me, shall we say. Yeah. Um, but actually, yes, some days it's freezing and you're, you know, you're in a sari, but you're wearing wellies underneath it and you're wearing that like, your big heavy coat because it's pouring with rain. And you don't want to be outside the whole day and like you're going, Hare Krishna to everybody because we used to welcome, the, yeah, welcome the welcome tenor. era. Yep. So we used to welcome everybody and you have to have a smile on your face the whole time, even though you're shivering inside and dying slowly. Yeah. Um but actually, once you get into it you really feel the love
0: yeah absolutely
1: and it sounds really kind of like hippy dippy and you know really just an obvious thing to say that you start to feel good but you do you feel people's positive vibes because they're there because they want to be because it's you know it's done much to me it's, it's krishna's birthday yeah so they want to be there to celebrate and um they like they bring their love yeah and so when they're greeted with a smile they're really happy and they want to greet you back and they you know and you just start to get caught up in the in the vibes of it all and yeah. there's definitely something in there about if you put out a positive vibe the positive vibes come back to you as well of course and you just start to feel very happy inside there'd be this weird warm glow inside that would you know protect me from the pouring rain of <laughs> of a british september but it was it was eye-opening for me it really really was it was just really interesting to kind of have that feeling. Yeah. And because they're long days, they're like 12, 13 hours on yeah. your feet. And it, you know, you're outside the whole time and the girls have to wear saris, you know, and there's no getting away from the fact that a sari is not a particularly warm piece of clothing.
0: No, of course. You know,
1: and some days it's really, really hot and you're just want dying and you want to have a drink. And then some days it's really, really cold and nearly freezing and you want to go home. But like the the people that you greet and who's who you see, are really, you know, they're happy and they have a good time, you know. And you see, you kind of wave goodbye to them as they leave as well. Yeah, of course. And they've had a good time at the whole festival, and you know, they're going on a on a happy note mostly.
0: Yeah, with mostly, yeah, yeah. yeah. You always get the odd few, unfortunately, that no matter how much you do over the course of the day, it's never good enough, and there's always this issue, and there's always that problem, and there's always this stressful point. Um, but that, I guess, that's part and parcel of, of anywhere you go, you know, any voluntary work scheme or charity that you're based in you you know you go out to do good for people um and sometimes people don't necessarily it's not enough yeah it's not as appreciative um and they take for granted that what you're there the reason you're there and and the service that you're providing
1: quite often it's not the people who are the beneficiaries of the service it's the people who are organizing the service that will have an issue about your level of work and you know you've got to pull your weight when you do that work You know, you're there to provide and help. And so you should be there doing that work. You can't just turn up and just be there and say that you did some work. You have to do the work. But if you're putting in all that effort and it's still not appreciated by the people who have organized, then that can be a bit of a problem for me. Yes. But we won't go into the politics of it all. But just, you know, appreciate. If someone takes some time out to help you with something that you're organizing or you're doing, then show your appreciation and say thank you.
0: Yeah, sometimes I guess people can take for granted the you know being there for long hours of a day um, and putting the full work in because I guess everyone looks at things the same way you know it's a we're all pushing together and and and, and helping each other for the same cause.
1: Yeah, working as a team.
0: Working as a team, you know, um, and that's the one great thing I found about charity from all the years that I've been doing it is you 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 work up a really great camaraderie with all the people around you because you're all there in the same purpose and the same goal which is to, um, you know, deliver good service, you know, and helping people and helping your fellow man, Yeah, you know. And so we're talking obviously for more of a religious volunteer work that we've done in the past. Um, but, you know, guys like, you know, SWAT and there's so many other organizations like that. Um, you know, in the last few shows, we've been talking about, you know, NGOs like Karma Nirvana, uh, you know, and people like that where, you know, they're, they're looking at things like forced marriages and, and you know, the yeah. the, the rights of Asian LGBTQ plus people. And um, let's
1: not forget also the charities that, you know, have cake bake days or that kind of stuff. If you do that and you bake a cake, whether it's, you know, to take to work and everybody else in your department's doing it and you're all buying each other's cakes and stuff and raising money that way. Or, you know, in the past, I <laughs> I organized a big party. I had a big like club night. I say big. Oh, yeah. I say big. It was relatively small. But we raised a lot of money through yeah, that yeah. and a few other things that I did around that um, and including our gift aid contribution through that as well. It was £2,000 that we raised that year for the MS Society. Yeah. It's a it's a, um, a charity that means a lot to me because my dad has multiple sclerosis and they were a real font of of knowledge and a real comfort to us at the time. And my dad got this this disease that we had never heard of you know, they they really were the people where we could go to and ask questions. And so I would do I try and do something for them every year if I can. I've done the moonwalk as well, which is raising money for breast cancer. I did it one year just because I wanted the challenge. And it was like a 26 mile marathon walk overnight across London, which sounds easy. But believe me, at four o'clock in the morning when you're still on mile like 13 or 14, and you want to go to sleep and your body's telling you you should just lay down and sleep. It's not that easy to do.
0: Yeah.
1: But I did that. And then the following year, my mom was actually diagnosed with breast cancer. And so they did it again. Yeah. And, you know, and I raised money again because these charities mean something to me. And I want to do something as much as I can. You know, most people have had their lives touched by cancer, unfortunately, through the, either themselves or for a loved one. And there's loads of stuff that you can do for Macmillan or for Cancer Research UK yeah. or so many other charities as well. You know, there's Alzheimer's, everything you they all have event days now that you can get involved in. Yeah. So if you don't have the time to, you know, go and volunteer or you don't want to go and volunteer at a temple or, you know, find an organization where they give out meals to the homeless or whatever, there's always something that you can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I feel like you know I've I've been doing all this voluntary work, obviously with my temple, but I think like it's time to kind of move on to other pastures, volunteer wise, you know. So I'd love to get involved in something else now. I kind of feel I feel like I need a you know an, an escape, you know, something to focus my attentions on outside of our normal day to day lives. Like I saw, like like I was talking the other day, I saw my friend G. Who was, um, you know, unfortunately had a bereavement in his family, yeah. and 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 it was putting five hundred pounds away to spend on food and drink, and that was actually for SWAT. Oh, was know? it? Yeah, that was actually for SWAT. Oh, okay. uh, so that's the first time I'd even heard of SWAT, and then this program came on and it just tied it in quite nicely. And was like, oh, okay, it's an amazing cause. Um, but just little things like that.
1: But what know? a way to honor somebody that, you know, meant so much to him. That this is the way that he wanted to honor and remember that person. Hundred percent. And that's that's a lovely thing to do.
0: No, absolutely.
1: I think also that it's good for your mind, your well-being, your soul, whatever you want to call it, to actually do something that goes beyond yourself. Yeah. So, you know, beyond your kind of day to day chores, looking after your family, whatever, because I know all that comes first. But sometimes taking some time out to actually go out and do something good for somebody else that maybe you're not related to or, you know, like just doing something beyond your your day-to-day routine yeah it can be really good for you it's just like in the same way you go to the gym and you take your mind off things this is the same thing you go in somewhere you're taking your mind off your day-to-day and you know that you're doing something really positive for somebody who's in a situation that might not be so positive
0: yeah i almost find it like almost similar to almost like a detox you know in that you almost it's, it's almost like a spiritual cleanser You know, whether it's spiritual, whether it's religious wise, but just a an emotional and just like just a you know, completely transform your mind, body and soul completely.
1: And to get us out of that selfishness that we're kind of programmed to have. Yes. You know, like we're programmed to you be angry on your way to work in the commute and be angry on your commute home because you need to get home or get to work on time and you know, and it's just it's that all stems from the selfish need to be somewhere where you want to be on time or you know i want to do this and i want to get this done in the way that i want to get it done and other people get in my way yeah it's to combat that feeling it's to then go and say actually i'm going to do this for this person or i'm going to do this for this group of people or for these animals or whatever you know whatever your passion is in life
0: i think that's what maybe because i've got i've got a big love of animals you know i'm a vegetarian obviously um you know so i almost kind of feel that my next calling is something to
1: just don't bring any home because I'm, I'm literally allergic to everything
0: <laughs> all the more reason to bring it home i can say but yeah you know it's like you know we're constantly being told you know like enforced on a day-to-day level that it's a dog-eat-dog world and you've got to look out for number one and you've got to you know get through it because it's cutthroat out there and it's a survival of the fittest and life is what you make it you know and i've seen people with the most stressful jobs and long hours of the day from morning all the way up to night that still find time in their lives to go do voluntary work or do something on the side and stuff to help people you know i
1: think there should always be time in everyone's life to do that whether it's the smallest amount of things i mean even if you don't have the time to take out some people just you know do a direct debit to a, t- a charity.
0: Yeah, You yeah. know,
1: Some people don't are time poor, but they have enough money in the bank to be able to just donate. But even if, if that's you your life, then you can do that if you want to.
0: But even people like, like I said, people might not be the most like financially able to do that kind of thing. But what they can do then is to get themselves physically involved in some volunteer yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. You know, lend your services and you know however you can in other ways as well. At the same time, it doesn't have to be through money.
1: Yeah. So I mean, if you're time poor and money rich. Give you money if you want to, but I would say you will not benefit then from having that kind of, as you were saying, that spirit, spiritual cleansing, or the you know the mind and well-being kind of benefit that you get from doing some volunteer work. If you are money poor and time rich, give your time.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And if you're in between, like us, where you try and balance things in life, we try and do what we can when we can. So it's not a weekly thing, but you know two three times a year we'll bake a cake for work and make some money or you know or we'll go we did we've done so i've done the moonwalk but we have also done the ms walk and we did a half half marathon
0: i accompanied you on this
1: yeah so and you know there's not much training that needs to go into that you just need to be able to walk at a reasonable rate and you can go out for an afternoon around london raise some money and have a walk around London
0: it's definitely more fulfilling than like a couple of hours in, say the gym or something you know but by the the end of it you feel absolutely shattered but you feel like so rewarded from it as well yeah that you've done something towards a good cause even if you didn't even raise that much money I think you know people will appreciate every time money it's spent um towards a, a massive charitable cause
1: well we had our t-shirts on our emma society t-shirts and people were honking their horns at us yeah and, you know lots of people are touched by these diseases and so they they appreciate that you've taken the time out to like raise some money for for a charity that does so much good work
0: yeah yeah 100 percent. and plus you know we we never we're never one of the, we're never one of those people that toot our horn too much either and i kind of feel like sometimes with charity it's easy to tell everyone on social media, Oh, look what I did. I've, I've done this and I've done that. And I've kind of raised this much and I've kind of, you know, look what a saint I am and stuff. And I, a lot of people do to sh- charity silently. If I hadn't seen like say G the other day, I would never have known. And he would have just quietly gone about doing his work yeah. and feel fulfilled at the end of it. You know,
1: it's not about showing off. It's about doing what makes you feel like a good person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's about doing something good for another person but then also you have that benefit of helping yourself as well
0: yeah i always do believe in karma a lot of people don't i do and i kind of feel that whatever actions you do now you may not think you're reaping any kind of benefit from it at all you know and that there's there's no like eye for an eye in any of this kind of thing but good positive vibes will come in your life you know yeah sometimes when you least expect it And just by doing something small, like a little bit of charity work, a little bit of volunteer work, will go a massive step in the right direction into enabling you to have a much healthier, happier outlook on life. Definitely. You know, so if you can, get involved. There's so many charities out there, so many different volunteer work and agencies that just want a little bit of help, a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, because whatever you put in is going to benefit someone else's life absolutely massively. Well, that's another episode of the Native Immigrants podcast from this week. I am Swami Barakas.
1: And I'm Jojo B.
0: And we'll see you all again next week, people.
1: Peace! See ya! (laughs)